sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. mind in hour number two of the early line it's dane martinez and my man joe pizapia joining us from the good old fst crew filling in for the candle burner <laughs> who was truly burning the candle at both ends mm-hmm. so we give him a day off and joe p you step up and in and here's the deal i would be remiss if i didn't get some of your you know fantasy expertise <laughs> here in the middle of the week right i do a diamonds and fugazis from the waiver mm-hmm. wire i know you always always looking at that also waiver wire targets you know there's a, some interesting teams on buys for example some yeah. wide receivers got banged out last week everybody from kenny galladay to ty hilton and others so we may talk about that a little i'll let you know who i was on the waiver wire but as we turn our attention to dfs joe i know you have some targets this week and also conceptually it's important to note right that there's different levels that you shop at right you're gonna spend mm-hmm. the money for some of those guys right. you're gonna find value at the mid-tier for some and then because of injuries or other blue light specials you have to find some guys that are bargains right joe so tell me what you're thinking about for week nine yeah it's absolutely and there's always tiers like everything and sometimes you get more than one elite level tier price guy in a lineup like last week for instance had a fair amount of derrick henry along with either dalvin cook or also with um with Devonte adams which actually worked out pretty well and it was easy to do because there were guys like kendrick bourne guys like that that were kind yeah. of lower on the trough there you're able to for make sure. that work with and the same thing this week too so looking at the guys to pay up for kyler murray i think against the dolphins look i understand the dolphins defense played well last week but still you have to understand Tua's got to move the football better. And if he doesn't, Kyler Murray's going to run amok. And also, when you put pressure on Kyler Murray, it's a little different than putting pressure on Jared Goff. Kyler Murray can avoid it and get out in space. So he's a guy looking right. at to pay up this week. Dalvin Cook, another one, too. I think Minnesota's going to commit to running the football. And then DK Metcalf, who is still at just 81K on FanDuel, but you would think he would be Ridiculous. priced higher because of how consistent he's been. Then you got the value guys in here uh, who... You know, it's Josh Allen, who hasn't been great with the passing game, but here we go again. Same thing we're talking about, Ayuk and Kendrick Bourne last week. 230 yards per game to wide receivers in the passing yardage. That's Mm. what Seattle's giving up. So you have Mm. to attack this, and that means you might want to get in on Josh Allen with Diggs this week, who obviously is another guy that we're paired. They're a really good value in cash, those two guys. High upside there, maybe a little Beasley too. We'll see what happens. And I think James Robinson will be leaned on heavily in this game here with Jacksonville because of the change of quarterback to Jake Luton. And they got the bargain guys. Anybody against the Dallas Cowboys, Dame? Anybody. Sure. I don't care who Sign it is. Sign me up. Where it is, how <laughs> it is. You're playing the Dallas Cowboys. You're in my lineup. The tough part is. What do you do with them? Now, the good news is that Claypool is pretty cheap, and so is Roethlisberger. So mm. right off the bat, you can go with Roethlisberger and Claypool, and then you can get a Diggs in a lineup. You can get a Cook in a lineup, too. It's not that hard to do, or DK Metcalf, because you're getting a little bit of a discount there and nothing but upside, because in my opinion, the Dallas Cowboys have quit. That defense basically mm. has quit week one. And then Zach Moss is an interesting guy to keep an eye on, too, because yeah. you saw a little bit more out of him, and if he does have that each. touchdown equity. Well, he's that guy that's got the touchdown equity, right? Right. And Seattle's defense is just not good, but really specifically through the pass. That's how you want to attack them, and that means uh, definitively, I think, Stephon Diggs, who's been very consistent this year already. So I like a lot of these guys. I must admit, I want to push back on one of them, Joe. Why push away. You, um, I will. Oh, don't worry. I will. Um, why, why are you still 
on James Robinson? That would be my question, right? I understand the idea of, hey, this kid Luton's coming in. They may need to rely more on the run game. But what's also live is that they have a grand total of 180 total yards and three points, right? And mm-hmm. I have started to see James Robinson. Listen, at the beginning of the season, it was a great story, right? He was still doing it. I feel like he's fallen off a little bit in recent weeks. It's almost like it's turned into a pumpkin as we welcome in our radio audience from around the country thanks for waking up very early with us here on the early line big shout out of course to the mightier 1090 dane martinez and joe pizapia here giving you all you need to make it a profitable day but i'm a i've, I've soured on robinson recently I joe, okay. and i I'm understand with, hey, you're not wrong you know, the idea but here's, but, here's the difference hey, here, here's why two hey. words you ready for these two words houston Texans, <laughs> boom. Oh, run Houston Texans. That's true. Uh, da, 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 da. Exactly. Houston Texans defense. You want to talk about quitting? There's a lot of quit there. So there's opportunity. And, and look, they're coming out of the bye. So there's a little bit of extra rest. And you're right. The trend. He started off great. Then he had three weeks in a row where he only had about ten fantasy points on average. Then the week before the bye, he exploded again. And now you're coming off a bye, a little extra rest against the Houston Texans defense. Again, it's a value play. It's not a must play. It's not a high-end play. It's a guy that's going to allow you to go up to the board other spots and still be responsible enough for some points. There's still some touchdown equity. They're certainly going to touch the football a fair amount if you're James Robinson, that Jacksonville offense. And again, you're right. You're you're right. There's definitely some risk there, more risk than normal with a value play. But looking at the running back board this week, it is tough on FanDuel because it's high-low. So when you're trying to yeah. find those guys in the middle, what you're trying to look at is who's the matchup, who's the standalone back, and he is, basically. I mean, he's been the guy. And I think coming off the bye, that's always a game when you're looking at running backs. Look at what Baltimore did uh, off the bye. Look at what Indianapolis did running the yeah. football off the bye. So I think some of those Minnesota. things, when you look at that, <laughs> Minnesota <laughs> running the football off the bye. That man had two weeks. Looked pretty good. Yeah. Two weeks. A little fresh Trust me, I was there. against I him in a few places. Trust me, I know. <laughs> last week, I was like, oh, I got a great spot. Oh, but Dalvin put up 47. Okay, fine. Uh, the last thing I wanted to ask you about, and maybe we could pick it up on the other side of the break, is Chase Claypool. Because I know he's the revelation, four touchdowns and all this stuff. But I think you know, Joe, my term, the fantasy herd, right, where Mm -hmm. it's good for the real team. And it's part of the reason why the Steelers are undefeated, right, because Big Ben can pick out the matchups. But I'm worried that it's Juju one week. It's Deontay Johnson one week. It's Eric Ebron one week. James Washington is still there. Why are you confident that there's a floor for Claypool or is it not and he's more of like a tournament play and you acknowledge that it's kind of boomer bust that's what I want to know and I want to know what you think about a guy like Claypool or maybe a Chiefs guy in that vein is that a cash play a tournament play help us learn how to fish instead of just giving us those fish from the graphic and we'll do that when we come back right here on the early line SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
Everybody right here to the early line, giving you the edge on sports grid. We put the fun and functional sports content at the same time. Dane Martinez and Joe Pizapia. And Joe, I was asking you about Claypool, and mm-hmm. everybody loves Claypool. Trust me, I like the player as well. I believe he's an important piece for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I just don't know how important a piece he is for DFS or for fantasy managers because I have the theory of the fantasy herd, right? Like, think about Kansas City. Me and me and uh, Kevin. We're having a long-standing back and forth about the fantasy potential of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And my point was <laughs> always, right, that he was going to be part of this herd and he might be better for mm-hmm. the Chiefs than he was for your fantasy team. I never had him going six or seven overall. I thought he was a back-end RB1, high-end RB2. That's kind of where it's playing at. Lev Bell, blah, blah, blah. But the theory is the same here. In Pittsburgh, they can go to so many options, including Ebron, including now backup running backs like Snell and McFarland. Farland, including Connor having a revelation and the trigger man of Big Ben being able to just read the mail and go where the defense dictates. This is not like a target monster kind of thing like we see in Green Bay or now in Arizona or in other places. I know people love Claypool, but are you concerned that because there's so many other options to, you know, for the entire pie of the Pittsburgh offense that he could be hit or miss? Well, for the record, I just want the record to show that I agree with you on Clyde Edwards-Alaire going into the season yes. and still now. So yes. you and I are obviously both handsome and yes. bright. Let's just put that to bed. So in case there there's any you. question there about that, not that anybody could have thought otherwise. Remember this, by the way, Venmo Brian, remember this when we talk to Kevin next time, right? Because if you realize, he hasn't brought up the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air to me much. <laughs> I'm sure he brought after, them up after, after Buffalo. week one, all after it was Buffalo, like, I had this hot take. He did. Yeah. He did. But then, you know, I mean, I was like, calm down. And we set a line here's, specifically. Dane, here's, I say he will not be why. in the top 10 this year. Yeah. Well, there's plenty of reasons why. And it's this well, fantasy herd and right. what the Chiefs do in the run game. Even guys yeah. like Miko Hardman and Tyreek Hill mm-hmm. are live in the Chiefs run game because that's what makes the Kansas City Chiefs so impossible to defend. Exactly. They're they're impossible uh, nature and the fact that they're so good across the board makes right. them very difficult as an investment in fantasy. Right. The and best thing you can saying, do like, most if you weeks, buy in Clyde right. Edwards Hilaire, then you are by definition saying that Terry Kill is no longer a wide receiver one. You know what I mean? Well, or you're it, also it's then very possible. saying something it, like it's that. It's very in weak the and it's and it's it's what made the old Patriots so difficult too when they right. were rocking and rolling back in the day with Randy Moss and Rob right. Gronkowski and this exactly. guy and Julian Edelman. Yeah, all these I guys. The right, West Welford. We used to have it in a well, Philly offense. Right. We had it in the Rams offense. We've yeah. had it in other places. So my question for you, Joe, is: Do we now have Claypool. that in the Steelers' wide receiver room? You do, but here's the trick. This is a kind of a caveat here because the matchup is too good to ignore this week. And I'm with you. I'm not the guy chasing Claypool, so to speak. Uh, see hey. what I did there? Hey, how you doing? Uh, but I, I think that when Deontay Johnson is not healthy, and that has been a real problem this year, Claypool is the automatic, obvious pivot. And he's been the big beneficiary. And when you're looking at targeting that Dallas defense, that's why I like Claypool this week. Because, number one, the price is under 7K. That's a huge upside for a guy who has the kind of touchdown upside this guy does. It's the same thing we are talking about last week on FST mm-hmm. about guys like T. Higgins, <laughs> guys like Tyler Boyd. They were in that same yeah. range, and they paid off great because they had a really good matchup against Tennessee. It's that same mentality and that same thought process. And you're talking about you know helping the guy to fish and teaching him how to fish as opposed to just giving yes. him a fish. That's what I'm trying to make everybody understand. It has to do with the pricing. It has to do with the matchup. 
matchup has to do with also the health of Deontay Johnson. If Deontay Johnson is healthy in this game, it becomes more of a multi-entry play than necessarily a single-entry tournament play because you then have to have it happen. So I think that's the thing you want to keep in mind here. If Deontay Johnson is out or if there's like a game-time decision or something like that, I would absolutely be into Claypool. And I think even regardless, having some shares in multi-entry is worth it because it's Dallas and because... I don't think it can be James Conner with the way Benny Snell gets work at the goal line. It can't necessarily be Juju because he hasn't shown you that touchdown equity. Claypool's the guy that can pay off. And on FanDuel and the half-point PPR, you always want to look for that touchdown upside. That is the big difference maker. Yeah, Eric Ebron might fit into that category in the Pittsburgh Steelers offense (laughs) as well. You know, I want to ask you something conceptually. You talk about two bald, smart guys here on the screen. Um, I want to ask you something. I asked Davis Maddock this on Sunday. I think we all have to accept. He is not evolution. one of us, by the way. No, for the he's record. not. He, he has way nowhere too much near hair. the ball. He has, way too, <laughs> he has way too much hair. He's on the Kevin Walsh side of things with his man bun and stuff. But I digress. Um, I think we all know that the evolution in the NFL has been towards the passing game, right? 5,000 yards isn't even a big deal anymore. I've been talking about how the workhorses, the bell cows in season-long fantasy at the running back position are now few and far between. I want to ask you, though, has there been a flattening of like that? 6,000 level of wide receiver, like the wide receiver two Mm -hmm. kind of idea, because now every team in the NFL, right, has multiple fantasy relevant wide receivers. The guy who might have in previous years been like wide receiver 35-40 is now likely on an offense that's throwing the ball 45 times a game, and he's going to get nine targets himself. That's just the nature of passing offense in the NFL. Has there been sort of a flattening for you, or are you more lacked to go like stars and scrubs because even the scrubs can be uh, productive. How has the idea of this crazy passing offense, I know how it affects me in season long for the running back position. Is there anything you're now trusting with the mid-level wide receiver? Yeah, I think you do trust a lot of the mid-level wide yeah. receivers. And it's week-to-week how the pricing's been, but I just gave you an example right of the two guys in Cincinnati. They are a really good example. Sure. Uh, I think you're going to see some good examples going forward here. And if you also look at where some of the guys started, you know, where the Calvin Ridley's pricing started, where the yeah. DK Metcalf pricing started early in the year, if you were on those guys like we were, then you got some huge benefits from those guys. And now, obviously, the price has gone up. So I think, yes, to a certain degree, the NFL evolution has certainly dictated that now there's a lot more value at wide receiver. And also, let's not forget, it's that rookie wide receiver class that's had such a huge impact, too. It's the guys in the first part of the season with CeeDee Lamb being so good before Dak Prescott went down. It was um, also you had a certain amount of Justin Jefferson games out there, too, to to own. Um, Unfortunately, Jerry Judy hasn't been great, but there's some guys out there in this wide receiver class that have really kind of stepped up in the youth and given you some of those big productivity moments too. So I think that's a perfect storm basically for value in DFS. Okay. I want to ask you one more. You talk about these young wide receivers. I saw his name up on your graphic as well, not necessarily in fantasy, but you know, I mean, I'm for DFS, but in fantasy and just overall, you know, you talk about the evolution into the passing world. One team that did that probably more than any other this year because they are letting Russ cook is the Seattle mm-hmm. Seahawks. I saw you had the name DK Metcalf up there. Mm-hmm. Joe, yeah, I mean, look, yeah. Next, next year. Oh, in oh season yeah. Long, in oh yeah. Season long. I'm mm-hmm. gonna say two and a half. Over under two and a half wide receivers you will take before DK Metcalf in 2021. Um, under, 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 and I made a wow. st- and I made a statement. Okay. And, and, and I made a statement that right now, yeah. 
DK Metcalf is the best dynasty wide receiver you can have. Dynasty, and I'll tell you yes. why. Because the in only a ones three I year window are far older. Yes. Well, not only far older, but also quarterback issues too. Where is Drew Brees two years from now, or even a year from now for Michael? I know Thomas. where Kyler Murray is in three years, so I know about. I know Hopkins. where Kyler Murray is, so Hopkins is in that conversation too. Okay. Without a doubt, Hopkins. Uh, look, Hopkins was still an elite guy for me too in the Black Book this yeah. year. He was right there with the elite guys. Everyone dropped him yeah. off. I'm thinking to myself, where are you? Meanwhile, there's only two guys who have four 100 yard so games. Be under two and a half. And D Hopkins. Do you know the names? Go ahead. You know the names of the two guys who have four 100 yard games. Calvin this Ridley season? and DeAndre Hopkins. Ooh, <laughs> okay, those are the two guys. That's it. Nice. There's only two guys who have 400-yard games. Not even DK has that. But I think as good as Adams has been, he's missed time. Julio's older. What's the quarterback situation in Atlanta going forward? We're not exactly yeah. sure. There's a lot of unknowns here with some of these big-time guys. I mean, Aaron Rodgers oh, got yeah. some age on him, too. So DK Metcalf in a three-year window, I don't know if there's anybody better. And in terms of physical specimen, playing with Russell Wilson, the defense being suspect, it's the perfect storm. He is not only a, a round-one pick but he very well might be the number one wide receiver taken next year. And I don't think it's the wrong answer. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's why I'm saying like two and a half, right? Cause I could see yeah. no, it's good. I, I am it's a good starting number. to warm. <laughs> I am starting to warm to him as I think for me, wide receiver two or three. Um, and you're right. It depends on things like, is Drew Brees the quarterback for the Saints next year, right? Um, it depends on things like, do the Green Bay Packers finally address their wide receiver position, right? And give someone opposite Devontae Adams. Oh, by the way, Devin Funches, I guess, could be that guy coming back next year. But no, I don't think so. But yeah, I think the ceiling is absolutely exorbitant for DK Metcalf. And I just wanted to make sure that you and I continue to be bald intelligent guys on the same page when we come back we bring in a guy who has some hair and it's red cam stewart joins the show as usual right back when we come back right here on the early line we talk a little bit of golf and then some of the key games for week nine. sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com away from i mean you're gonna hear all week long that he consulted with tom doak when the redesign happened in 2019 here at memorial park and brooks kepka actually had input into some of the design features around this course and that's absolutely true it's great but it doesn't matter if your game's not in good form and brooks kepka for the last year has been uh, way more erratic than what we want to believe if you removed his name from the odds sheet and just looked at his results you just looked at his stats there's no chance in the world he would be 20 to 1. Uh, obviously dealing with the lingering knee issues that have given up some quotes that are certainly alarming he has said things in the last nine months that include that knee might never be the same it hurts when i walk downhill and yeah i'm just on uh you know cortisone shots and if that doesn't work i'm gonna need major surgery i mean these are all things that don't elicit a ton of confidence in a golfer who has so much torque in his swing uh, so much power so much ability he needs that knee and when you start to compensate for a bad joint in one area it influences everything else in the game it can really set you back so i'm trying to look at this 
objectively remove Brooks Kepka's name from his stats from the odd sheet and say what would this golfer be and the answer is probably closer to 40 or 50 to 1 to win this golf tournament I understand what the upside is uh, but he hasn't been hitting it all that well in the last year he's popped up at times but not enough for me to back him at anything close to 20 to 1 at this week's Houston Open Hey, welcome back in, everybody, to the early line. And, of course, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. We welcome in all of our radio affiliates. Thanks for waking up early with us. I know some of you guys were up late last night figuring out what lineups to submit and seeing percentages and data points come in, just like in the sports world. And we bring in our guy, Cam Stewart, right now to talk a little bit of golf. Cam, I was mentioning, you know, you're in Canada, in our country. I was uh, I was explaining to, like, my 10-year-old goddaughter about the election and i was using a fantasy football analogy she was and i was like listen it's like the four o'clock games are done but we still have sunday night and monday night left to go and my, i've got two players on my side my the other team has still two players on their side but he's questionable we don't know if he's gonna play or not but that's the limbo i feel that we are in but you know there's always something to bet cam so we appreciate you coming back in and up and you know this week we've got the houston open on the PGA Tour. And by looking at the names, DJ is there, Kepka is there, mm-hmm. Matsuyama is there, Im and Finau and Scott and Day. It looks like some of the big names are there, while some may still be, uh, you know, taking this last week off to sharpen their game at home because the Masters is up next week. Talk to me about, like, why some players would make the decision to play this week right before on this kind of course. Who do you think is in it and trying to sharpen it up and is really like improving this week for Augusta? Know what it is, Dane? It's a really interesting situation because I think a lot of these guys, you don't want to take favorites this week because guys are working on certain parts of their game. Right. Like I remember I, I used to watch Phil Mickelson before. I'm like, why is this guy like, it almost was like he was hitting balls in the rough on purpose to try to hit the mm-hmm. wedge before a certain yeah. tournament that he went into. Like right. some of the top guys, they've, they've made their money. They have their world ranking. As for a lot yeah. of the other golfers, you, you look, you go, the wife, hey guys, we got that new house. We got this, that, right. you know what I mean? Okay, I'm, I, golfers are an interesting breed. They play for money. It's it's just one of those sports. You you understand sure. the way it is, Dave. It's just, you wake up. Sure. It's like how much money am I going to make today? Some guys play for yeah. majors and both. But I'm saying I'm not going to take the guys right at the top of the board. There's a lot of question marks. DJ, COVID. What's he doing? Like, was he working on his game? Was he bedridden? Was him and Paulina like you know staying away right, from everybody? Right, right. He has such a good game, he could pick it up. But at the price that he has, you just can't take a guy like that, right? And then I'm looking at, at some other guys. I'm just like, eh, you know, uh, Brooks Kepka. It's is, is, is like what Rick was talking about. Like, the guy hasn't played this year. You know what I mean? He's been hurt. They, sure. Oh, I got a leg injury. I got a back injury. I got this. So a lot of these guys in the upper echelon, are, it's a tune-up. And you know what? Some of them are just yeah. going to try to hit certain shots. So I look a little mm-hmm. bit deeper down the board. Usually, you know, Day and I start around, you know, maybe 12 or 13 for like my chalky guy. This week right. I'm going to start at 20, at 22 because there's a couple guys I like in that range and I go all the way up to 100 in the six pack. Okay, fair enough. You know, I think that's very interesting, and that's the kind of information you get here on the grid, right? And I, that makes sense to me, Cam. Like, if yep. I need to work on my chip game, 
right? And I don't yes. really care about where I am in this tournament because I'm already, you know, generationally wealthy for life, right? And my kids are already mm -hmm. set for college and that stuff. Instead of hitting the five iron, maybe I hit the seven, right? And I exactly. leave myself a chip. You know, and I leave myself a chip because I know that's what I got to work on. That's interesting. You also mentioned, you know, that you're not necessarily sold on DJ, his comeback, Brooks, who is working on some things as well. That's the top of kind of the leaderboard in terms of the favorites here. Dustin Johnson plus 750. Brooks Kepka at 20 to 1 is your third choice. Uh, Hatton in between at 16 to 1. You've mm. already indicated you're going a little bit further down the list. So why don't you tell us, Cam, who do you like this week in the Houston Open? Yeah, first, Dane, before I get to my guys, if you're going to take yeah, any no. chalky player out of the mall in a matchup, I would take Hatton over DJ. I'd take Hatton over really? Kepka. Uh, okay. When it comes to form, Tyrell Hatton is one of the best golfers. People ask, sure. uh, what's going to happen? You know, He's been in North America for months. He won on the European Tour, took a jet and came over, and he's played in the last four events. Like He loves playing golf everywhere. He's a winner, and he's been a top five machine or winning. So Hatton is a guy. But I'm going to dig a little bit deeper with my boy, Russell Henley. Russell Henley Ooh. won here in 2017. He is a perfect game for this course. This is another thing about this course. It's very interesting. Uh, it's 7,400 yards plus. It's long, but, you know, in, in Houston, it's also very, very hard. So you don't have to be like a complete masher of the ball, but you want to have some length. But Russell Henley does one thing well, too, par threes. This course has five par threes. Usually mm. and five par fives. It's a very, it's a very different yeah. kind of layout. It's a, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. it's a par seventy two, and it's just yeah, it is different. Usually you see those like you know uh, courses with uh, a couple par fives and like lo right. long par fours, or or they have that trick par four, like a three hundred and twenty right. yard one that you could drive. Long leg left. This course, is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, buddy. So this is the thing. This is a very interesting course. So I'm gonna take a guy. Scotty Scheffler is a guy that I'm looking at right now. I think he is in great form. He's playing brilliantly, and since the COVID, he's been a monster. Like, all he does is show up top 10 on the leaderboard. I also think he has a perfect game for this course. He's great in par 5 scoring. He's one of the best on tour there. And at par 3s, he just, accuracy is his game. And this course, you need a bit of accuracy. Guys will go low with the par 5s, but Scotty Scheffler and Russell Henley, both at 22-1, to 1, are my horses for courses. And I said Hatton. If you guys don't trust yeah. whatever out of all the chalk, I'd go with Hatton in all matchup X. Next, Dane, I like to ride guys in good form, and Doc Redman. Doc Redman is a guy. I had him last week with you. He yeah, almost won the week, tournament. Yeah. Again, he was leading into the final round. I'm thinking I was going to come on with you, and, hey, Dane, what a what a score with Doc Redman. But you know yeah. what? This is golf. You know what? You have a one-shot lead going to the final round. It's tough to go wire to yeah. wire in a golf tournament. He's 45-1. to 1. Now I am digging deep. I look for guys that have been pretty consistent, guys who played well in these similar types of courses. They compare it to the Zozo Championship. This course is a little bit longer. And Dylan Fratelli, in my opinion, at 75 to 1, is a major, major value play. He always seems to be at the top. He also is getting a lot of advice from like the Jack Nicholas's of the world, the Gary Players of the world. He's taking kind of like an old school approach and really working on his game, not taking a lot of time off. He's 75 to 1. Charlie Hoffman is an interesting pick. He let me down before, but he's also a Texas guy. He's 90 to 1, and uh, he plays really, really well in this tournament in the past. And then I'm hitting it, Dane. Uh, this tournament is in what Texas, you and you got to go with it. You got to go with a Texan. Big Bo Hostler, the Hoss, okay. at 100 to 1. So okay. I'll tell you something, too. Watch out for guys that went to Texas. Fratelli uh, sounds Italian. He's a University of Texas guy, gotcha. and Bo Hostler, home game. 
home game. I like to take those guys. So I got some uh, Texas yeah. players in the Shell Houston Open on my list. And I think a lot of these guys, they love the home cooking and they'll be there in the end. Absolutely. I like that. We got one of the kind of belt buckles these dudes have down there in Texas. <laughs> so that's this week in the Houston Open, right? As we move forward, yep. though, the Masters only got a couple of minutes for you here. But yep. I know I've been asking you about guys who are long shots who deserve maybe to be better. We've had this conversation before, Cam, when we've brought up guys like a Sergio Garcia, like a Louis Oosthuizen, right? Like an Adam Scott who's always around. And I see these guys have fallen even lower. Oosthuizen gone from 50 to 60. Um, Sergio down to 65 now. I know you've talked to me about Bubba Watson as well with this course playing towards the lefties. Are there any, not the favorites, because now you, I hear you saying all the time, DeChambeau at 8-1 to one makes no sense. Is there anybody you're getting a little bit, you're warming to at that bottom level, the 40, 50, 60 to 1 for the Masters? Yeah, I, I talked about it before. You you just got to take Lou Eustazen seriously in any type of situation. Yeah. He's a world-class player. The thing about him, Dane, is this is the thing about golf. One guy wins the tournament. Louis 60 to 1. So I'm talking top 10s, top 20s. Right. When you look at that leaderboard at the end, it seems to be the usual suspects. Let's remember mm -hmm. something, too. I checked the weather in Augusta. It's going to be a lot better than people think. But also, when you're doing your matchup bets, look for guys in the afternoon wave. Because I will say this, it's November in Augusta, right, Dane? You wake up in yeah. the morning, you're probably going to lose about 12 Frost to 15 delay. yards off that driver. Frost, delay. Frost exactly. <laughs> we never had the Mastiff. Hello, guys. Uh, Frost right. delay. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, it's like, what are you talking about, Cam? Are you an idiot? No, it's like it's still going to be in the 50s and 60s, right? right? So those guys in the morning, man, the course is probably going to play a couple hundred yards longer when you really think about 18 holes over 8 huh. to 12 yards. The driver, the irons, you need a good caddy. And thus, you need a guy that's been there before. I don't mm. think debutantes slash rookies, guys who are taking yeah. their first trip to Augusta, it's a very different right. trip this year. So you like mm. horses for courses, right? Louis Ustazen's a guy that's always played well in the Masters, and he's at right. 60 to 1. That's a really, really good price. And I will say this uh, I'm going to wait on a guy. People don't talk about him. He almost won the Masters. Let me check out the leaderboard. 20 seconds. Patrick Cantlay. All right, awesome. Yeah, some of these guys that we see every year may be there next week, but the Masters is next week, Cam. So we'll have you back for a while time. to talk about that. <laughs> Thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us right here, like always, on the early line, all right? Get some rest, brother, you man. We appreciate you. We'll be back going on NFL football. Joe Pizzapia comes back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge on Sports Grid. We thank our guy Cam Stewart, the Raging Redhead. We're going to have him in for even longer next week as the Masters gets going. It doesn't signal the same things. Usually that means the start of spring to me when I start to hear those Jim Nance commercials and those pictures. But no, it'll be early November when we have the Masters. But we got our guy Joe Pizapia back in. So we turn our attention back to the NFL and I wanted to ask you, we haven't gotten into it with the trade deadline. We've been talking about Green Bay and their wide receiver position. But, Joe, 
We got to talk in the short term about the Green Bay running back position because they are one of the games this week that are right around the key number. We call them games where you have to watch out for the hook. And this Green Bay game that starts the week is getting going. They are two and a half point favorites right now in San Francisco. San Francisco is clearly dealing with their own injuries, right? Kittle is down. Jimmy G is down. We know their defense has been eviscerated. But I got to ask ask you honestly from a fantasy standpoint from a confidence standpoint who in the hell is running the ball for green bay tomorrow and how does that impact your thoughts on this game who the guy running the ball who the running back who the running back the guy who who nobody knows uh they don't know and i don't know if it's going to matter here and that's going to be the wacky thing here because of the 49ers on the other side of this ball having all the injuries they've got no kittle is a huge loss for this offense right now yeah absolutely stunning i know mullins is probably gonna be playing quarterback but here's the thing Devontae adams had almost half of the targets of the entire team last week right and he could very well do that again and the green bay packers could win now, all of a sudden that loss compounded with, with the running back situation they're going through all of a sudden now things are starting to tighten up a little bit for the packers this becomes a really important game for them not that every game isn't important but now it is significantly more important because it's in the nfc and the 49ers are kind of relevant still regardless of all the injuries they've had right now that number is two and a half on the side of the packers and it feels like the right number. Like that feels kind of where it should be still because it's Aaron Rodgers and because it's the Packers. If the if the running game of the 49ers was at full strength, I would actually be looking more on the 49ers side. But isn't of this it kind 100%. of at full strength regardless of the name of the running back? Isn't it kind of always at it's full strength? It's a great strength? question. It's a great question. It might be. But I think then all of a sudden now it becomes a little bit easier to defend them because you don't have Kittle. Now, look, Ayuk and Kendrick Bourne were really good last week, but that was Seattle. So Seattle is exceptional at letting everybody look good in the wide receiving right. core of any team. But I think right now that line kind of feels right to me. In your opinion, do you think this is a line right now to jump on earlier or you want to wait and see if it gets a little even tighter maybe? You know, I, I – if it stays under the three, I'm okay with it. And I kind of believe, I, I think I'm with you that I don't know how much it matters. I think the losses for San Francisco matter more to San Francisco, especially Kittle, right? He's a linchpin mm -hmm. for everything they want to do. But I think that losing, you know, not having Debo, you know, going down to Mullins, I think that matters more for San Francisco. I think the way these Green Bay Packers are doing what they're doing. You know, they're the number two offense, I believe, in the NFL, mm -hmm. scoring like 32 points a game. I believe it's not necessarily the quality of the player. I believe it's the fact that Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur are on the same page, right, from a right. play-calling aspect and then Aaron Rodgers being able to execute that in a way with that familiarity, with that chemistry. You usually think about that in like a back-shoulder fade with the quarterback and the wide receiver. I think this is the quarterback and the play-caller head coach Matt LaFleur chemistry rendering you know dropping down a tier at running back and never having a wide receiver too um not as big of a deal so i will lean on the green bay packers but one of the things you said here joe was that you know um it's getting tight in the nfc that this is a big nfc game so i want to put up again the playoff picture in the nfc and these green bay packers were a team that a lot of people thought needed to make a move we heard the names of will fuller and others and it seems like they were trying to hammer out a deal but that ultimately at the highest levels of the organization the Packers didn't know if they wanted to pull the proverbial trigger so now let me ask you about these Green Bay Packers they are a division leader 
right? I personally, I'll tell you the truth, I do not believe in the Bears. I think they're fugazi, a team to forget <laughs> about, right? So I think Green Bay can win the division and remain on that left column, right? But mm-hmm. do you see this Green Bay Packers team without the additions, right, without the pieces on the outside, being able to hang with Seattle, hang with Tampa? Who do you see as the top of the NFC? Because I believe the top of the AFC is clear, but I think we're talking about a big flat tier at the top of the NFC. Yeah, look, right now I'd say the most complete team is Tampa, and it's hard to argue that, even though they've had some moments, even though the running game is a little suspect. That matters more for us in fantasy than it matters to them. Well, the top Bulls defense is getting pressure on the quarterback, and it was good against the run last year, too, and it's been even better now that they're not getting put behind by a quarterback who's constantly turned the ball over. I mean, Tom Brady's had some problems this year, but nowhere near Winston problems where he had 30 picks last year and constantly was putting the defense on the field and in bad spots. So I think Tampa's the most complete team. I think Seattle right now is the transcendent player the way Russell Wilson's been playing. Green Bay will be in that playoff picture. And it's funny because all these teams on the outside, right, there's a team on the outside right now that I think is a fascinating conversation piece. And it's because they control their own destiny. And you're telling me that you don't believe in the Bears, right? Well, this team has two games left against the Bears. They have two games left against the Lions. They have a game against the Cowboys, a game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they have a game against the Carolina Panthers. That team is the Minnesota Vikings, who just came off a huge win here. So think about that schedule for a moment. And think about how they control their own destiny. I think one of the most fascinating wagers on the board right now is just for the Vikings to make the playoffs. Because Mm. if you split or at least may go, let's say, three and one, if you're the Vikings against the the, in the four games you have remaining against Detroit and Chicago, right? If you just go three and one there, you win the other two games against Carolina and Jacksonville, which are pretty winnable games. And you beat Dallas. Now, all of a sudden, you're at eight wins. And I think eight wins right. get you into the playoffs this year, especially considering how bad the NFC East is. Because there's only one team coming from the East. We know that already. And I think that's what makes this all so fascinating is because, yeah, Minnesota really put themselves behind the eight ball. And, yeah, it's really difficult. But there's the expanded playoff format right now. So I think right now the team that's not on that graphic is the most fascinating hmm. team to watch over the next couple of weeks. That's interesting. Listen, I was in on Minnesota at the start of the year, and I've hopped off since. <laughs> even then, no, even then when they lost to Seattle, I was like, ooh, I'm seeing some things. I'm intrigued. I'm going to go back to the well with them. But then I realized I should never go back to the well with Kirk Cousins. And I believe that Minnesota is telling you that they were waving the white flag, putting Hunter on IR, moving in Gakwe. I wonder if they looked themselves in the mirror and didn't think it was their year. But they they, they could do something. And you talk about the schedules and the schedule point is kind of interesting, right? Like that is not a hard schedule to find eight wins right. Let me tempt fate here then. If you see that <laughs> NFC graphic, also, mm-hmm. you know, you have the Philadelphia Eagles at 3, 4, mm-hmm. and 1 as the leader in the NFC East. Now, I fundamentally believe that when all is said and done, it may not look pretty, but the Eagles are the best team in that division. They have the only team that doesn't have a first-year head coach with that team. I believe Carson Wentz ultimately is still the best quarterback in that division. And I believe that Philly is getting healthier. Right. But if you're going to start to play the game, uh, Joe, about, hey, Minnesota could go on a little bit of a run and their schedule is okay. I want to ask you about another game where the point spread is right around one of these key numbers. The New York football giants head to Washington to take on the football team. The football team right now are three point favorites. Can I not make that kind of argument for the Washington football team? Joe, I mean, look at their (laughs) schedule. 
It's not that bad. It's pretty easy. And you talk about Minnesota could get to eight wins. If the football team could get to six or seven, maybe they get in. Don't forget, they have a win head-to-head against the Philadelphia Eagles. Talk to me about this Washington Giants game. And if you want to play the game with Minnesota, my guy Kevin Walsh still thinks the Patriots are live in the playoff race. So tell me why I can't play the same game in the NFC East. I'm a Patriot fan, and I can tell you that team is not a playoff team. Okay, so let me just tell you. I I could not believe what I was hearing out of his mouth. You know this. I was talking about the old Kurt Schilling quote, how Mystique and Aura are the name of dancers, Mm -hmm. and that's pretty much what Pats fans are backing at this point, thinking that Bill Belichick has some Mystique and Aura. But I digress. (laughs) <laughs> right? Could there be some value if a, if you pick a horse that gets on the same hot streak that you talked about for the Vikings? Well, I like Washington because Washington can play some defense too. And I think the game against the Giants that they had that they lost a couple weeks ago is going to haunt them. Yeah. Now, I think they it should be, be favored in this division. one. <laughs> and three sounds right. Exactly. And that and that's the key. Like that was the key because you also have another game, by the way, on Thanksgiving, we all have to sit through or Look, if there's any game to be eating turkey during, it's going to be the Washington football team against Dallas. But I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm with you. I don't count out Washington either because I think Ron Rivera is a really interesting presence. I think that the Giants, if nothing, are they show you that they compete. They have effort. And I think as long as you know, you look at teams that have one win or two wins, there's not a lot of teams that have as much effort level as the Giants. That They're in all these games. Look how many games they've covered this year, right? They've covered four or five games already this year. This is a team that doesn't have a lot of quit in them. The problem is they turn over the ball at inopportune times. Daniel Jones continues to not take sacks and instead gives the ball to the other team. He's got to learn that. He's got to understand that. I said this on FST yesterday. I'm sure he'll get a kick out of it too. He needs to go through some sort of program like Clockwork Orange where they just prop him up for like 24 hours and like poke his (laughs) eyeballs out like this where he has to just watch Joe Montana not throw the ball away or Tom Brady not throw the ball away and understand if you just hold on to the football more, you're going to put your team in positions to win. Punt, learn to yeah. fight another day. I think Judge has done a great team uh, job with the Giants here on this team. But I do believe that Washington is still in this, and it's because if they win this game here and then go and win on Thanksgiving, you are in basically controlling your own destiny, and they already have a W against the Eagles. So it is right. fascinating. I don't think they're out of it, and I think it's going to be fascinating to watch. But yet again, here we go. I mean, this is the worst division I've seen in football in a very long time, Dane. It might be the worst one I've ever seen personally. It is just abysmal. And it seems like it gets worse on a weekly basis, which I don't know how that could happen. It does. It does seem like it's going to get worse. Remember those NFC West teams uh, a couple of years ago? But then, you know, Seattle responded with the beast mode run, right? And they actually right. won then that home playoff game. So maybe a team like Philly does that. And I think ultimately we may see a 7-8-1 Philadelphia Eagles or something like that. I was intrigued by Washington. There was buzz that they may have had uh, Ryan Kerrigan, their high-end pass rusher, on the move at the trade deadline. But the fact that that did not happen maybe means that Ron Rivera is thinking the same thing like you that there is still a chance i want to ask you though again in the nfc where we have that playoff picture i gotta tell you a team that i am very intrigued by i was all about going into the season was the development like a lot of people of cliff kingsbury kyler murray and the arizona cardinals okay now arizona at five and two they are also holding a win over seattle right so right now they would have that tiebreaker in a very tight nfc west and NFC, you know, Joe, that's a team I would have loved to have made a move. They lost, mm. you know, they lost Chandler Jones. 
right? And that's why I made the point about Ryan Kerrigan. If I had saw yesterday that the Cardinals got a Ryan Kerrigan and Olivier Vernon, one of these other pass rushers or a defensive piece, I would have been very excited to shove all in with the Arizona Cardinals. Where are you vis-a-vis Arizona and the ability to shove all in with them? Are you a believer? Well, look, I got to be consistent because I was a believer going into the season that I thought this team would surprise a lot of people. And I was also a believer that the 49ers would have a massive Super Bowl hangover. And so far, I've been right about that, too, because that has been a huge trend. One has to look at every single year when you lose a bad Super Bowl like that. That's what happens the next year. Things just don't go well for you, regardless of whatever people think about it. It's just a fact. But I do believe Arizona right now, Buda Baker's played outstanding football here yeah. out there in the secondary. Kyler Murray's played out of his mind. I think this team can do enough to be in the playoffs. And I think that they are a better team right now than the Rams. And I know that sounds like a hot take, but the Rams are so inconsistent week to week. I just can't roll with them. So give me the Cardinals and I'm going to stick with them. I think they find a way into the playoffs. That's interesting, you know, with the expanded playoffs, and we'll talk about even potential more expansion of the NFL playoffs. You literally have a division out west where there's not a single team below 500, and then out east, you don't have a single team above 500. It's the world we live in in 2020. We wrap up after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge, Dane Martinez and Joe Pizapia. And, you know, Joe is on these Minnesota Vikings as having a path. Joe, if I told you that the Vikings to make the playoffs right now, the yes bet is plus 430. You can get over 4-1 to one for that path you laid out to actually happen. Would you do it? Click submit. It. It's telling me I'm not that crazy because I actually thought the number would be a little higher, higher even. Yeah. So I kind of think you might want to get in on it now because if they win again this week, I don't know where that number necessarily goes. I think it's going to click and click and click. You yeah. might, this might be the time to at least take a shot on it. But uh, look, talk about expanded playoffs too potentially. That would certainly yes. change a lot of these numbers, Dan. Yeah, and I think that's an important piece, and they are talking about that, expanding the playoffs to a full eight teams. We've seen that before in Major League Baseball, differences in the playoffs. There's a difference in the NBA playoffs because of this year, a difference in the MLS playoffs this year, so it would not be a surprise. By the way, Washington, my path, that's plus 450 to make the playoffs as well. I want to ask you, who do you think, if they do expand to eight, it would help the most? Because to be honest, for me, it would be the two seed in those in each conference, because it used to then be just the one would get the buy, right? But if you move to mm-hmm. eight, then the one wouldn't get the buy either. And if I'm a two seed, I want that one seed to be just as, you know, beat up as I am. So you could talk about the eighth team that gets in. But for me, it would be the leveling of the playing field that the two seed, you know, like the Steelers, the Chiefs, the Bucks, whoever mm-hmm. it is, would have the same kind of rest disparity as whoever that one seed would be. That's where my eye goes if they do make it a more traditional eight and eight on each side yeah and that that's what becomes very important too is whether or not you're getting everybody playing too or right. you know how, how this is going to work is everyone going to have two buys or nobody gets a buy like how does this all work you know we got to oh i think we're out. talking about friday night lights that weekend then or well, we got we to have like three games on saturday and if that's what we're talking Sunday about and a double think about how that Friday. changes 
I'm all but in. dude, think about that for a second, how that changes. If all of a sudden they're just trying to get the season in because they're worried about COVID. Oh, that's fair. Mm, I don't, and that, is, that is a very difficult thing. In another round for the but, Well, sure. let's just play out the playoffs as opposed to giving anybody a buy. That is really difficult because then what are you playing for? If you're in one of the top teams and you're going to see basically week 16 and 17, a lot of teams yeah. basically making buys for themselves. And that's going to change the playoff picture significantly too. So there's a lot to digest there yeah. from a wagering standpoint if that happens. That's true. I bet the the bottom line, though, for the NFL is another week of games is more revenue, Mm -hmm. more networks, more way to recoup what has happened this year. Thanks for stepping in with us today, Joe. We'll catch Royal on FST. Kevin will be back tomorrow. The morning after is up next. Stay on the grid right here with Sports Grid and have a great day, everybody. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.